Hi, I'm Alex Zavala. Welcome to Handle Hole's NICU Dad Discussions, a podcast produced exclusively for NICU dads. I'm a NICU dad to two preemie girls, Mia, born at 30 weeks, and Emerson, born at 27 weeks. Combined, my wife Jen and I spent more than 100 days in the NICU. After my last NICU experience, I started a blog called thenicudad.com. I did this to create a safe place for NICU dads to support each other, share their stories, and get much needed information. In this podcast, we will cover many topics that NICU parents face, but from the NICU dad's perspective, such as premature birth, bereavement, PTSD, and many others. These dads who you'll hear share their stories in hope of letting other NICU dads know that they're not alone. Today on NICU Dads Discussions, we're talking with Henry Madrano, who with his wife Amy had micropremie twins, Maddox and Chase. They were born at 23 weeks and weighed one pound, nine ounces, and two pounds. They were in the NICU for almost 100 days. Henry is a creative director in Austin, Texas, and along with his boys, is a football and baseball enthusiast. I want to welcome you all today to Hand the Holes NICU Dad Discussions, and today we have Henry Madrano with us, and he is a NICU dad. I want to thank you for doing this with us today and uh, for sharing your story with us. Um, uh, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Um, it's always uh, interesting to have this discussion and talk about the my time in the NICU. In 2005, uh, my wife and I were expecting twins. They were our first uh, first set of babies that we were expecting to have. And uh, in the summertime, you know, we, we sort of found out we were having uh, twin boys. And of course, as obvious, you know, we're as, we were as happy as we could possibly be, and and did everything we possibly could to to have a a good and complete successful birth. So much to our surprise, about three months out from um, the due date of our our, our boys, uh, my wife uh, came home one day suddenly and and said, "Hey, we're you know, I feel like something's wrong. I feel like we're going to the bathroom. Not sure what's going on." So, you know, we called the doctor just to be sure. We thought it would be something small and, and minor. Um, to our surprise, our doctor told us to you know, hurry up and get into the hospital as quick as we could. So we went in um, that night on a Friday night. And a doctor did some evaluations, and one of our boys, who was in a separate amniotic sac, um, had a lot of fluid uh, that was dispersed, and, and something, had gone ha- something had happened to where uh, the fluid was, was leaking out. So therefore, um, you know, we were told um, that my wife's going to go on immediate bed rest, and that you know we had to be prepared for the boys to come, and that was around 23 weeks, and so at that time, obviously, very early in the pregnancy, and, and you know, was was something that obviously terrified myself and terrified my wife, and you know, we went straight to bed rest and, and took the doctor's orders, and you know, the doctor told us at that time, you know, at at that 23 week stage, um, you know, there was stuff they could do. There was, there was some success rate, but, but not a lot, not a very high success rate. And the goal was to try to gain as many days, weeks as possible, um, to keep the, the boys in my wife as long as possible to increase the chances of, you know, development, um, you know, lung development, all those things that needed to happen to, to have a, have a high success rate, having a, you know, a normal pregnancy. So uh, we go on bed rest, 
um, lasted about two weeks. Um, and sure enough, my wife, one night, more night, starts feeling feverish, starts feeling bad, and obviously developed an infection, uh, which was which was we were told by the doctors that that would happen at some point. Um, it was just a matter of how long we could fight that off. So that night went into immediate um, C-section delivery of our two boys. Um, you know that was around 25 weeks, a little over 25 weeks. Um, both boys were were delivered. Uh, one being uh, came in weighing at one pound, and the other at a pound and a half. So obviously, you know smaller than I could even imagine, even though I was told and, and prepared, that was pretty, uh, pretty devastating to see that, um, seeing the, you know, the boys being delivered and, and, you know, we had maybe a five second glimpse of them. They were quickly whisked away, taken off, you know, by all the doctors and nurses and, and taken into the, to the NICU for, you know, testing examinations while my wife and I kind of were kind of, help, kind of being prepared for what to expect next. So with that, the, you know, we got to go in and got to the NICU, which was a site, you know, we had never been a part of, something that we never even in our wildest, uh, worst dreams could imagine, and went in, saw our boys, you know, being, being uh, examined by, by the doctors, being connected to monitors. Um, it was very, very, very scary time. You know, lots of monitors, lots of beeping, rushing around uh the boys were having to uh to be uh helped with breathing you know they couldn't breathe on their own when they were uh, when they were born um and delivered so therefore needed assistance and at that time we didn't know what to think what to go on all we could do was kind of bury our heads and pray and and pray for the doctors that they would somehow find a way to to keep our boys um thriving and keep them keep them going and, and, and seeing what, what could be possible. Uh, we believe that they, you know, were born for a reason. So we had all the faith in the world that, that something good had to come out of all of it. So the process started, um, right after that. And we were told we were going to be in for a, a pretty long stay. And, and we were obviously hoping and praying for a very long stay, which meant, uh, that was going to be a lot of success. So the doctors, you know, with both boys just kind of went over every possible scenario that could happen and, and really just kind of helped us kind of set up milestones for us so we could, we could ease our minds um, somewhat and focus on, on the small goals and gains um, that we were hoping to have and the doctors were hoping to have. Um, pretty, um, just a, a, a crazy time. You know, I, I always think back to it and, and, you know, I'm scarred for life, but, but I can recall every second, every day that we had with them and just being by their side. You know, the one thing my wife and I said that no matter what happens, we were going to be there. We were going to be there every second. We were going to be there as much as we possibly could and hopes that that by being around that, you know, that could increase their, their chances um, by any any means necessary. If, if there was a possibility, we wanted to be able to to provide it. So the boys started their process, and um, you know, with with preemies of that size, you know, the first step was breathing. Um, they were bre- on breathing apparatuses, breathing machines, uh, for a co- about a week, about a week or two, um, which was you know, uh, 
something that we just, you know, it was tough to watch, tough to see, but knew it was necessary. And we were very grateful that after a couple of weeks, they both were able to, to get on, uh, be able to breathe on their own. Uh, they did have oxygen. They did have a few things that, that, to help them out, but um, getting them off the breathing tubes was, was a big, um, a big goal. And they were able to breathe on their own uh, quicker than we anticipated, which was a good big sigh of relief to us. Um, throughout that time, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, sleep apnea, a lot of episodes to where, uh, you know, blood flow, you know, all these things just had to happen. And, and, you know, as a dad, you know, you just feel defenseless, you feel helpless, you feel, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of the worst feelings ever was to watch, uh, you know, to watch your boys, um, you know, fight for their life. And essentially that's what they were doing was fighting for their life. You know, with the help of the doctors and nurses, and so it it really um, it made me um, sort of focus on trying to learn uh, what was going on, try to learn what the doctors were educating us on what needed to happen, and so I kind of tried to channel all of my energy and all of my sadness, frustration into trying to figure that out and just you know uh, trying to be that positive influence for my wife to look for all these little goals and gains and success successes that, that would happen throughout our time. So throughout that first couple of weeks, first month, things finally started to uh, somewhat stabilize as much as you can call it stabilization um, to where one of our boys um, kind of had sort of, of what the nurses would call normal, um, a normal sort of, normal development, early development for a, for a, a child that small in the NICU. Uh, one of our other son, uh, Maddox, uh, didn't have as good of a time and had a lot more complications. And after about a month in the NICU, he just, we weren't seeing a whole lot of progression from him being able to maintain his, um, um, his pulse rates, maintain his breathing, maintain um, just a lot of his vitals that, that, that we were trying to improve upon. And turned out he had a, uh, a small, a small hole in the artery uh, in his heart that wasn't releasing um, blood properly. So they tried medication a few times. It would work, not work. Try another dose, work, not work. Um, and then finally, the doctor came in, sort of delivered more news that that was just almost too much to bear. Was that he would have to to operate um, to be able to go in and and um, sort of fix this artery and fix this valve in his heart to, to, you know, hopefully make sure he could have the best chance he could. Mm-hmm. So with that, obviously, you know, was sort of end of the world sort of crisis mode for my wife and I. And we just, you know, we sort of just kind of left it up to, to, to God in prayer at that point that that was what he needed. And, and hopefully that would be the trick that did it. So once they performed the surgery, uh, you know, it took about, uh, you know, a couple of hours where we sort of just, you know, hoped and prayed that, that, that everything would go well, and, and it finally did. Surgery was successful. Uh, they finally were able to maintain a lot of those vitals. It was, it was amazing to see how the vitals and, and the progression sort of take off as soon as that surgery had happened. 
And so we kind of we felt relieved that that was um, going to be a huge step for him and to sort of get back into this <clears throat> so-called normal mode that our other son uh, path that he was on. And, um, you know, so that happened. Uh, then we went on to month two. Uh, month two is kind of much more of the same. We were able to start holding them. We were able to start uh, my wife was able to start feeding them um, more and more as they could they could handle um, you know the sensitivity and handle being um, you know handling the, the the touching the the skin to skin holding that we were able to do with them um, you know that was was something that was truly amazing to us because that was really the first time we were able to kind of hold and 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 really you know care for our boys you know just like. You know, just take yeah. for granted. We we always took for granted about the, you know, coming home and holding your baby and passing them around, and that just wasn't reality for us. And you know, here we were with limited times of to hold our kids and limited visitation, and um, but we all knew we knew it was for uh, the better good of them to keep them safe and and give them that chance that, that I mentioned earlier. And so, you know, the things kept getting better. I think it kept getting better. The boys started to grow. Uh, the boys started to eat more. They started to um, uh, sleep more. They started to have more of normal patterns. Um, you know, and, and at this point, the doctors kind of gave us, um, they used to use the term uh, cautiously optimistic. And that was something that we would hold on to every day because every day it just, you know, something new and good and different would happen. Now, there were setbacks, obviously. We would get to certain times where we'd walk in and they'd give us, hey, we had a great day. We made these huge milestones. And then we'd come the next day and they'd say, well, we took two steps back or one step back. So those those days kind of went back and forth, back and forth, till we finally got on a, on a pretty good progression uh, to where the boys were, again, starting to become growers and feeders, uh, as, as some of the nurses called them, where that was their goal was to try to get as big as they possibly could and, and get all the, you know, brain development, lung development, all those things that, that normal babies would be doing inside the womb or doing outside of the womb. And, you know, it, it, it was, uh, at that point, you know, going on to month number three, um, you know, I, it, it took its toll. Um, you know, as excited as we got, it, it sort of, you know, became one of those, those situations where you were just so ready to for it to be over and get home and have this normal interaction with with our two baby boys, and it just seemed like it it drug on, drug on, drug on. But we stayed uh, focused and stayed positive. Um, and after the the so the boys were born on November fifth. The original due date was around. Was around Valentine's Day, February fifteenth, and at that point, um, uh, you know, we got to February, and we were told, "Hey, they were getting close to coming home," which was probably the greatest things we could ever hear uh, from a doctor. And at that point, we we started to begin the process of of getting things ready at home, you know, <laughs> figuring out what we needed to do, figuring out all the all the scary things that doctors and nurses were doing for us, we had to figure out how to do all those things because we knew going home there was going to be, you know, still some TLC that we were going to have to give them in terms of, you know, whether it's medication, whether it's monitoring, um, things of that nature, we had to, to be prepared for. 
So finally, February uh, 3rd, I'll, I'll always remember it, it was Super Bowl Sunday, we were able to take one of our boys home. Um, we wanted to take both of them, but the way things had it, one boy was ready to go home and the other still headed to meet his criteria to, to get um, to get home to us. So uh, the first night was was crazy to go home with one of our baby boys and not the other. Um, but uh, we knew he was close. We knew he was close by. We knew he was coming home pretty soon. And that day, um, we got a call from our doctor and said, hey, how's it going? Wanted to check on things, see how how your son was doing. And we said it was great. It was We were just at home quiet. And he finally said those words we were waiting to hear was, well, I can change that. And uh, why don't you come pick up your <laughs> other son? So um, that was, you know, obviously we couldn't wait to get down there, get him back home. And, and uh, finally we, you know, that night, uh, finally got him back home and, and we were all back under one roof or not back under, but together under one roof, which um, was the greatest day. I mean, three long months, um, still don't know how we survived it. We still talk about it. We still uh, go back and, and we don't really go back and and discuss all the little things, (laughs) but we just, we just kind of discussed like, you know, how did we ever get through that? And knew (laughs) that one day we knew that one day with positive thinking and prayer, uh, we knew our boys were destined to come back home with us and, Finally, after those three months, they were back home. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, you guys had a lot of things going on there, um, you know. And I just I kind of want to just touch on it real quick. Um, you know, you had the twins, but they were also micro preemies. Um, was there any expectation, or I mean, did you even know what a micro preemie was when when the boys were born? No, we had no idea. You know, we had um, zero interaction um, with a premature baby period. Um, None of our Mm -hmm. family, none of our friends. Um, So, you know, the term premature baby was sort of very foreign to us, uh, much less a micro preemie. Um, But it wasn't until, you know, until they were delivered that, that our, you know, the nurses kind of, again, educated us on, you know, micro preemies versus a preemie and, you know, because of their weight, um, that was, was obviously how they were categorized. And one of the things, um, that I, I, I want to see is if that kind of, you know, for us, we had preemies and I wanted to know if, if having a micro preemie kind of changed your, I guess, outlook, um, with, with being in the NICU and, and understanding that you were going to be in there for a long time, you know, I was in denial. I thought preemie, oh, we'd be good after a few weeks. With a micro preemie, is that a little bit different um, just because, you know, of their size? And, I mean, you can obviously tell the difference between a micro preemie and a preemie, you know, when you're, when you're looking at them. No, definitely, you know, when, when we – you know, from the minute they were, were born and we were told pound, pound and a half, you know, as a, as a father, you're just terrified and, and you don't yeah. know um, what, what's going to happen. What does that mean? You know, are they going to be small? Are they going to be tiny? Are they going to, you know, be small for the rest of their life? They're going to have challenges. And all those yeah. things were told to us. And, and I mean, it was, it was terrifying, you know, I mean, it was, you know, here you are, you know, you think of, 
babies that you hear that are six, seven, eight pounds, and to see your 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 well, in this case my sons being that small, and and when they went home they were only you know around six pounds, so you know so they probably weren't even uh, as big as a, a normal full term baby normally is. So that definitely had had us, uh, you know, all kinds of questions, all kinds of worries, all kinds of concerns. Um, and obviously the NICU does um, a great job, but they also are very real with you. And, you know, you know, there was times that the doctors would talk to us and sit down and say, you know, your sons may never run track. Your sons may never play sports, but they can be great people, um, you know, and do all these other great things. You know, and as a dad, and I'm a sports fan, and I'm a dad, I mean, I was, you know, what dad doesn't, you know, wait for his first day to play catch or watch his son play a game or anything like that. So that, you know, obviously, um, you know, was, was a, a thought that, that was in my mind and, and tough to realize or believe that it could be a possibility. And, you know, thankfully, they're, they're you know, they both play football in middle school. They both play multiple sports and, and, you know, it just kind of, even as a micro premium, it, it just proved to me just the, how unbelievable, you know, life is and how, you know, these boys grew up and caught up um, so quickly and caught up to their, to their, you know, kids that are at their own age now. And well, one of the things, I mean, I've really, until you're mentioning it right now, have I really thought about it, but um, you know, they talk about mothers and what they deal with in this whole NICU experience and, you know, the loss of, of the normal birth and stuff like that. And I think for dads, I think you, you know, really hit the nail on the head when you talk about seeing your child that way and then having those expectations that you have so much further down the line of playing catch and, you know, the sports and all that, you know, that's part of the process too that NICU dads have to deal with of, you know, is that, even going to be an option for you in the future, you know, and I, I think that's something that, that doesn't get talked about that guys actually go through, but you guys go, you got the boys home now. And what is that like uh, for you with one, the boys, you have two babies out of the NICU with the twins and for them being micro preemies when they were born, uh, once you did get them home, what, what was that experience like? So once they got home, it was um, it was obviously a huge sigh of relief that they were at least home, but it was it was almost as terrifying, <laughs> knowing that now we had to become, uh, you know, we had to become the nurses, we had to become the ones to uh, monitor, we had to become the ones to facilitate and take care of them, uh, you know, instead of, you know laying in bed and, and putting them down and watching them sleep and, you know, taking a nap with them was, was far from, from reality. You know, reality was, you know, Hey, I've got to get, we've got to get these, you know, these vitamins and all these extra things that they're uh, prescribed to take along with their feedings. Uh, we've got, you know, both of them came home with monitors, with breathing monitors. So, you know, that was a <laughs> not so fun uh, time to just, be on edge and wait for that monitor beat to go off. 
yeah. you know, so that was, was obviously something we had to kind of get used to and, and realize and figure out um, how to best deal with that. Um, so in reality, you know, even when they were, even though they were home, they still weren't, um, you know, hundred percent fully developed, um, like other babies would be. So we had to be super cautious about visitors, um, you know, being, you know, sanitizing, making sure that we didn't bring in any germs, outside germs that, that they can't handle as much as a, a non micro would. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a busy time. It was it was kind of a double edged sort of of complete joy and and also a bit of just kind of panic and paranoia of making sure we're doing everything right and 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 observing them and making sure you know we're not missing anything um, just because of that factor. It's it's a it's something that you know I think parents probably take for granted and and you know like I said you just come home and you watch your baby sleep and you play with them and uh, for us it was trying to do that, but also trying to be, um, you know, as careful as we could to make sure that, you know, we didn't have any setbacks or, or God forbid back, end up back in the NICU, which, you know, we had heard stories of before. Um, another, and, uh, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you guys um, no, uh, I was just going to ask, um, if, if the boys had any, uh, obviously when you're home from the NICU or, you know, there's doctor's visits upon doctor's visits upon doctor's mm-hmm. visits. Um, did you guys have, uh, what was that like for you, which I'm sure you had? And also too, did the boys have any medical complications from being so small and stuff? Yeah. So, um, as the boys got, um, uh, you know, sort of out of the, the baby stage and started to move towards the toddler stage, um, we were definitely, um, bombarded with, uh, doctor appointments, uh, specialist appointments, development appointments, uh, you know, it seemed like there was something, you know, a couple of days a week we'd be going for, for just checkups to make sure there's no delays and, and, uh, and any kind of uh, motor skills, uh, things like that. Um, you know, we just had to make sure and, and, and do a lot of follow-ups. Uh, one of our sons, the son Maddox who had the surgery, um, at the time of the surgery, they go through, they go through the entire list of of complications or things that could happen during the surgery uh, because they're micropremies and, you know, operating on someone who's, you know, three or four pounds is, is very hard to do um, because everything is so small and compact. Um, so one of the things that was the least of our concerns on the list was uh, the doctor talked about because everything was so close that when they went in and clipped that artery closed, there was a chance they could, um, potentially uh, clip a nerve um, or something like that um, that controlled the vocal cord. And, you know, of course, they give you the percentages, and it seems like a pretty small percentage, but that actually did happen to Max during the surgery. So as a baby, he um, he was very quiet and didn't cry. He would he would obviously look like he's crying and screaming, but we, did, we you could barely hear him. And so that was something we had to uh, monitor very closely because not only does that, uh, control his his sound, um, but it, it's a big thing for breathing and how much uh, you know how much he can air and oxygen he can take in and out. So we saw a specialist for a couple of years um, who who first diagnosed that one of the that is one side of his vocal cords was paralyzed, and so we had to um, 
obviously go in a lot, monitor that, go over options. Um, you know, luckily for us, he continued to grow and get bigger and, and eat and breathe and not have complications. So um, we were kind of told to, we should let him do that and not interfere and intervene unless there was an issue. So we were obviously, you know, happy that, you know, he was able to not have setbacks and complications, but it was very nerve wracking and, and, you know, kind of what we discussed before you go back to the, well, what does this mean? Does this mean he can't run? Does this mean he won't be able to, you know, play any sports again? So it kind of went all back to that sort of fear factor of what does this mean for him? Is he going to, you know, I think it was, I think our best hope was that he would just have a raspy voice is what we thought. Um, but there was a lot more to it. So, um, but, um, you know, to this day, he's, you know, like I said, he plays basketball, plays football, plays baseball. And, um, our, our concern was that he would just be a noisy, uh, raspy voice, um, really is kind of all we're, we're, uh, is, is the, the side effect that we're, we deal with right now. Um, that was really the only setback or the only complication that, that we had, um, everything else, you know, worked itself out as, as after they became toddlers and, and bigger kids. The boys are how old? Uh, the boys are 13 years old now. 13 years old. So you guys have been out of the NICU for a while. Uh, what, how are they now? Um, do you see anything? I mean, other than maybe the voice thing, uh, do you see any lingering uh, issues from the NICU? You know, um, aside from the, the vocal cord issue with, with one of my sons, uh, you know, the only other thing that that we feel could have been an effect, uh, our other sons sort of had some uh, uh, dyslexia, dysgraphia um, yeah, in school, um, you know, and so though we know that those are, that's something that could have, you know, been because of the de- delayed development. Um, but, you know, we, we identified that pretty early on and, you know, he's been set up in his schools. Thankfully, his schools have been very, very great dealing with that and you know we were just talking about this today where he you know he made the national junior arms society this year he was inducted both of them were actually inducted so you know he's a he's a fighter he's been a fighter since day one and and we know he'll fight you know kind of through that but as far as any other issues or from the NICU those are really the 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 things that we kind of deal with and, and talk about and and we're so thankful that those are the things that, that, that we have to deal with. As we know that things could have been a lot worse and we could have been dealing with a lot more severe issues and, and uh, complications now. And so with those being, those are the only issues that we deal with. Uh, we're just thankful that, that uh, we were lucky enough to, to not have any huge complications. So what about you? 13 years now, um, <laughs> Out of the NICU, I know what it's like for a NICU dad in the NICU. I know what it's like after a year or two. Um, Me, myself, I'm five years out. Thirteen years out, how are you having any lingering issues from your NICU experience? Or, you know, do you see anything there? Uh, You know, it's... it's, uh, 
you know, I'll always be scarred. I think that's one thing. I think I will always be scarred, but you know, it was a lesson that was part of, part of our lives and, and something that, that had to, that I was chosen to go through. And, you know, I think it makes me appreciate, uh, the boys now. Um, it makes me, um, just so proud to see them, what they accomplish, what they do. Uh, it was interesting, interesting that you asked that question. I had never been back to the NICU ever since the day they were released. And mm-hmm. my wife, uh, we took the boys actually back up there this East past Easter a couple months ago, uh, just to sort of pass out some Easter cards and goodwill to all the, all the families that are in the NICU now. And that was the first time I stepped back through those doors. And it it definitely uh, brought out a lot of emotion, brought out a lot of, of memories that, that I had kind of probably tucked away. Um, <laughs> yeah. My wife would probably tell you I'm pretty good at, at kind of hiding, sometimes hiding emotion and, and uh, you know, being strong and kind of positive and, and, you know, not really kind of letting those things kind of show. But yeah, just, you know, just being back, it brought back, I just couldn't believe it had been that long. You know, it still feels like it's somewhat yesterday that, that yeah. those moments were still there. Uh, you know, so it was just a, it was one of those things just, I'm just so thankful that the NICU exists. I'm thankful for the doctors and nurses that choose um, to help all the premature babies, you know, uh, mine, especially of course, but all the others that, that need that help and attention. Um, you know, I think I'll never forget. Oh, well, obviously I know I'll never forget being in the NICU. Um, I'll try not to remember it all. <laughs> I'll try to tuck it away, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, um, you have to, fi- I had to find a way to be positive and, and, you know, it's a, it's a scary, scary, scary thing for regardless of how tough, macho, cool, what kind of whatever kind of dad you think you are, um, nothing will ever prepare you. Nothing will ever tell you how it's really going to be. And you know everybody's, you know, just like yours, just like mine. Our experiences were unique uh, to the to their own degree. To, to their own degree, I'm sure we share similar um, stories of of hearing beeps and not wanting to hear those oh, beeps yeah. go off and knowing what's good beeps and knowing a bad beep. Um, you know, so those are just things that, that will always be a part of our lives, you know, and I was thankful to take the boys back, you know, because they had never been in there either. Um, you know, so for mm-hmm. them, they had lots of questions, you know, we always talk about it. <laughs> we always discuss, you know, what they put us through <laughs> and we mm-hmm. always joke with them about, you know, uh, they have been giving us grief since day one, uh, which is true. Um, but you know, we welcome the grief. Now, you know, looking back now, we're, we're, we're just so glad that, that they were able to persevere and, and get through and, and, um, hope, you know, now we look back at that time and as it scary as, as it was, and as traumatic as it was, you know, it, it obviously shaped, shaped all of us, shaped our whole family, um, who we are and how we perceive and how we look at life. So. Now, aside from this right now, have you ever, <laughs> told that story to anybody or mentioned, I mean, had this discussion about your time in the NICU um, or was there anybody that you did talk to when you were in the NICU? 
you know, in the NICU, uh, I think during the NICU, no, I, I, I think it, I, I, I'm a, I'm a bottle up kind of guy. Um, <laughs> so while in the NICU, I, I think I just, I turned my entire attention to this isn't happening to, we're going to get out of here to what kind of positive thing can I, you know, how positive can I be for my wife? How positive can, can I be for, for our family? Um, you know, so a lot of, you know, telling the story, you know, this is probably the longest I've told the story uh, um, in, in detail. I've given obviously a lot of, I've told the story to close friends, obviously that, that, that we know yeah. and, and people who have come in contact with our boys. And, uh, you know, so I've shared sort of those snippets and, and you know, and it's still hard. It's still, it's still hard to um, say those things and talk about those things. It took me a while to, to say, yeah, my kid was, one pound and my kid was a pound and a half, you know, as a, like you said, as a dad, you, you know, you want to be, you, you hear, you want to be the one like, Oh, my kid was eight pounds. My kid was nine pounds, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, that just wasn't, it just wasn't in the cards for us. And, and I'm okay with that now, you know, because, you know, like I said, I, I, it just shows me what, what they're capable of and, you know, overcoming something like that. And, um, you know, it just shows what, what miracles can, can happen uh, if you just kind of believe and, and stay positive. Yeah. And it, it, you know, the whole bottled up thing, that seems to be the norm for Nikki dads. It's, you know, or just dads in general, um, you know, it's described as being a primal experience that on what we go through once we get put in the NICU and that switch turns on of survival mode and you're in there and it probably never gets turned off sometimes. Um, it definitely doesn't get turned off when you get home. Um, but, uh, that being said, a lot of guys that I talk to, a lot of NICU dads, um, talk about having like a moment, I guess, when they finally break down and it seems to be usually once you're at home already and, probably a few weeks at being home. Um, did you have your breakdown moment? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, you know, it's, you know, my wife used to ask me that while we were in the NICU a little bit mm -hmm. afterwards and she would kind of, you know, say, how do you, uh, how'd you stay positive? How did you, you know, she will always, you know, if you would ask her, she'd tell you, you know, you were always right. You were always a step ahead of what was going to happen and what was going to happen. And, and I told her, you know, it was rough, but, you know, the minute I stepped in my car to run home to get her, you know, pajamas or run to get her food, man, I, I, I broke down. <laughs> it was the car. The car was kind of my thing, um, was where I did my, uh, my breaking down. You know, that's just kind of that alone moment stepping probably just, you know, taking everything, all the emotion that was with me in the hospital, as soon as I would walk out, you know, that's where, where it would kind of come out and, and I would, you know, sort of express it, I guess. And, you know, kind of, again, that's probably another way of me keeping it to myself as well. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, but that's, that's just kind of was, was where I did it, you know, and, yeah. you know, probably, you know, after a while, after they were home and, and, and were better, not, well, I say better, just growing and thriving um, and things got better, you know, then I kind of would, would share a little bit more about that, um, you know, with, 
with my wife and, and my mom, you know, my mom was, was big there too. I think that was another thing, you know, when my mom would come and moms always have a good way of bringing out your emotions. So she would always kind of be in there right there with me as well. Um, you know, and, and, you know, while they were home, you know, my wife and I would spend a lot of times too, just kind of thinking our lucky stars of, of that they were home and, and we were together and we did it and it was going to take both of us to, to withstand that, you know, that's what, you know, people talk about, you know, when, when things go wrong and, and there's, you know, um, turmoil and, and things are not good, you know, when a husband and a wife kind of have to, I needed her, she needed me. And, and we did that to the best we could, you know, we, you know, she picked me up when I was down and told me it was going to be all right. And I would do that when it was her turn. And we just kind of trade that we would trade off, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes hours of, of doing that. So, yeah. um, you know, that's just kind of how we dealt with it. Yeah, it's definitely the, the the whole NICU experience, and even even when once you come home, uh, definitely uh, marriage and relationship uh, put some strains on them, uh, but also you know can kind of strengthen it uh, if you do it the right way. Um, you know that same thing on there too. You know we're seeing numbers of of NICU dads and and ptsd uh you know even postpartum um things like that having gone through this experience and knowing what you know now um what advice do you offer for new nicu dads what what are some key things that that you would tell yourself i guess maybe day one or week one um that you think might've, might've made it even better for you or easier? You know, I think, um, you know, there were some instances to where, you know, when, when things first happened and we got to the NICU and I remember the first day, one of the nurses came and brought us sort of a, a book of all kind of past parents, whether it be dads or moms and, or both or grandparents that kind of had like a little keepsake book and would show, Hey, here was this preemie or micro preemie. And here's the day they left, you know, and, and some of those books were, were helpful to us. You know, they were like, wow, this, there is, or could be possibly a light at the end of the tunnel when at the moment you're, when you're being fed that, you know, here's all the, here's the worst that could happen, you know, cause that's what they have to do. Um, it's hard. It's hard to, to think uh, that anything good is going to come out of it. But, um, you know, I, 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 I really wish I think I did have another dad to talk to um, mm-hmm. that, that, that I could go to and, you know, just kind of vent and, and ask these questions, you know, because I think, I think as a dad, I think that's kind of the, a little bit of what dads do, right? As how do I fix it? And I think that's... Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to fix it and you can't, (laughs) um, or I couldn't, um, all I could do is fix my knowledge of what was going on and, and, you know, sort of prepare and, and, uh, latch onto the fact that, Hey, I got to be ready when they do come home. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of what my little saving grace was is, 
I immediately went to, okay, I gotta, I gotta paint the room. I gotta do all this stuff because they're going to come home. But, uh, but again, it's, it's, um, you know, I think it's that education and, and of, like I said, for me, it was just kind of helping myself learn and educate. Okay. Here's what these things mean. Here's what these sounds mean. Here's what the oxygen means. Uh, you know, I think as a dad, like I said, you want to fix it. So those are kind of the instructions of, of what you're going to need later. Um, but you know, I, I think we went to a couple of sort of parent, uh, kind of support groups that they offered in the NICU, uh, which was nice. And it was good to hear people come and tell their stories, but you know, more often than not, it was mostly the moms that that were kind of doing that stuff. Um, you know, I think at one point, you know, we heard, I heard from one dad and that was kind of, that was huge. That was huge to listen to a dad come in and, and say, man, guys, I, I melted down. I cried like a baby. I, you know, did all this stuff. So I felt somewhat normal. I felt like, Hey, is it okay to do that? Um, yeah. It's okay to, to feel that way. It's, it's, you know, that defenseless feeling is, is not what you want, but um, you know, it somewhat helps, you know, it just helped to know that other dads have gone through this. Other dads have been through it. And I would tell any, any dad, there's, no one way to deal with it. You know, everyone has their own way, but um, it's definitely uh, comforting knowing that, that there, there are people you can talk to. There's groups you can reach out to. And, and, you know, this was 13 years ago. So I know that there's a lot more being done similar to, to hand to hold um, where there's a lot more education around it and awareness around it. Um, You know, but at that time, I think, 13 years ago, I felt, I feel like it was just kind of, it was just growing. So, um, you know, which is why I, you know, raised my hand, obviously, when, when I was approached, if I would want to do something like this, because I, I know, I just feel like it's somewhat my duty to to try to help someone out, help another dad, whether it's listening to this, whether it's it's wanting to have a call, pick my brain, or, you know, just find someone that I could even just write a note to. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's, it, it goes a long way and, um, would have loved to have had a lot more, um, while I was going through it. But again, there was just enough of it. I think that, that helped me out. No, that's perfect, man. That's awesome. Good advice. You know, 13 years ago. And, you know, I think now we're finally opening the door, uh, for NICU dad support. And that's, that's why we're doing this. Uh, that's why you have the handhold. Nick, you dad discussions here, but um, now let's let you brag on those boys. Uh, let's let some of the Nick, you dads out there and moms uh, hear what it's like for, you know, some 23 weekers, some micro preemies, you know, who are now 13 years old. So what have the boys done? What have they accomplished? Um, you know, let's let some of these Nick, parents who are in it right now kind of see that there's some light at the, at the end of the tunnel. Sure. And what are the so, boys' names, you know, too? Oh, so uh, uh, my sons are named Maddox and Chase. So it's Maddox Henry Madrano and Chase Henry Madrano. Uh, so the boys now are 13, and I there is nothing more uh, satisfying than watching them play sports. Obviously, as a dad, I'm a big sports guy, so, you know, seeing them take to it um, is, you know, it's – a huge part of huge part of our lives. You know, my wife has turned into a sports fan. Um, by our boys being uh, uh, taking the turn to 
baseball, football, basketball, you know, whatever the school offers, they try out for it. Uh, so one of my sons, Maddox, uh, is a baseball player. He plays travel baseball, and he's taken us uh, places we've never probably thought we would want to go to um, with his travel baseball. He plays very comp- He plays pretty competitive baseball um, and travels, you know, out of the state. You know, he's we played in Colorado. We played in Florida. We played in New York and, and other places in between. And um, our other son. Uh, it's football, um, so he he always makes us proud because he was the the one pounder, and he's the big boy now of the two. Um, oh, he's awesome. probably outweighs brother by around twenty twenty pounds, twenty five pounds. So he's our big bruiser. Uh, so we we get a kick out of that every day that that he was the small one, and uh, and they love to go back and forth and argue about who was bigger now <laughs> versus who was bigger then. Um, so you know we couldn't be. You know, obviously, you know, again, I think of I think of that day almost every time I take him to practice, take him to a game. I think of the doctor telling us those words. They may never play sports or they may never run, you know. So, you know, it just it amazes me and it makes me happy that I have to drive, you know, four hours a day, taking them to different practices around town. The fact that they can do these things is is just awesome. Um, Like. And on the other note, they're both, uh, you know, obviously, you know, developmental delays was something we were really worried about back in the, uh, you know, when they were toddlers and kind of getting into preschool. And, you know, now they're straight A students. They both got inducted into the National Honor Society this year as seventh graders. So that was probably goal number one, even over the sports for them. Um, So the fact that they both did it is just, you know, just amazing to us that, you know, they're able to achieve their grades and play sports and, and, you know, they also have, you know, I don't know if it's just what we've kind of talked to them about and how lots of people did things for them when they were little, but, you know, they've taken to the volunteer uh, things as well. And the school's obviously a big part of that, but they love kind of going out and uh, doing meals on wheels. Uh, they love volunteering for the church, um, you know, like I said, with the NICU thing, they jumped at the chance to be able to go over there and, and you know, try to try to spread some good news and, and success show that there's success stories and, and they were one of them. Um, so, you know, um, we just, you know, we pray every day and, and we're just so thankful that, that 13 years ago when they gave us the biggest scare we could ever get, that we're now in a situation of, of – you know, like I said, normal 13-year-old boys. That's really all we could ask for was just normal 13-year-old boys at this point. No, oh, man, that's great. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. Well, Henry, I want to thank you for sharing today. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for having me, um, you know, anytime. Um, happy to help. Like I said, hopefully this reaches one, two, three, four, five dads uh, down the road, and they're uh, telling their stories 13 years later. If you are a NICU dad in need of support or want to become a mentor, please visit our website at handtohold.org. There you will find information about Hand to Hold's national peer-to-peer support program, professional and educational resources, milestone bead program, support group curriculum, and much more. You are not alone. For more information or to speak to a Hand to Hold staff member, contact us at info at handtohold.org.